Yeah. Well, church, it has been an amazing six years, and I want to say I love you guys with all my heart. It's been a lot of fun. We've had a lot of fun around here, and I'm, I'm really, really still sort of shocked and somewhat surprised that I haven't been fired um, multiple times over. I mean, the very first Sunday, our band, I mean, I told them not to. They did it anyways, because no one does what anything I say around here. Uh, they started out and played some song by Garth Brooks called, like, Friends in Low Places or something, and I was like, all right, this is it. My days are numbered, and lo and behold, I, I, I still get to show up from time to time. So, anyways, it has been, it has been an incredible six years, and we, we probably do have way too much more fun than we need to have around here, uh, and I'm still trying to figure out how to transition from uh, halfway there to, like, this message <laughs> But it was a lot of fun, and if you notice, there was a guy over here playing gu- guitar that said Grillmaster, and uh, that's because he is um, in, in one of our small groups. He's leading a small group called Grill and Chill, and so uh, if you're interested in a small group on your way out today, you might want to check that one out. They'll probably have a pretty good time. Uh, well, welcome to my church. My, my name's Jeff. If you're new here, I'm one of our pastors on staff, and today really is the exact day, the 25th of when the church started six years ago. I was just thinking, six years ago, time, time goes by fast. My kids were all six years younger than they, were, than they are right now. Uh, JD was three, uh, Ashley was five, and my oldest daughter, Allie, it was nine. And I was just thinking that one of the young men who led the song that was standing right here, uh, uh, his last name's Fortenberry, and um, he's uh, one of our favorites around here. Stephen Fortenberry was in middle school. I think that's kind of ironic. Now he's uh, helping lead worship. So a lot of stuff happens in six years. Man, a lot of things have happened around here. And I just want to say as a church, you guys are, are awesome. You are awesome. I'm so proud of what God has done through you, through, through this church in the last six years. And today I want to just, I want to ask a crazy question. Because I know, you know, it's been six years. Uh, we've done a lot of things. But as we look forward to the to, to next six, and that's just guesstimating, we don't have any promise that we have another day or that Christ won't come back next week or in a year from now or in 50 years from now. We don't know. But just let's just say God grants us another th- six. What do we do? I mean, seriously, when you think about all the crazy things this church has done, <laughs> I mean, we had, we had guys that throw, threw up because we, make it, we made them drink Coke on stage. I mean, that's just over the top for church, right? I will say that I leaned over to my wife and I said, I've never seen people worship like they have this morning. That was after you guys came unglued with the very first song. (laughs) Halfway there, you guys really started singing after that. So take note of that. We may have to figure out this into our regular stream of things, get people worshiping by singing a really rebellious wild song that does not belong in church. That's how you get people to worship. I don't know, but it worked. That wasn't what we were trying to do. But when you think about, you know, I'm looking at you right now, I'm looking through like still remains of smoke in the church, right? Not because someone's smoking, because we have a smoke machine back here. But I'm thinking about all this and I'm going, what's the point of all this? Like, what are, what are we doing? Is it just to, to pull off the next coolest song? 
Because, I mean, that gets old after a while, right? I mean, after a while, you, okay, what's the next song? I mean, it's sort of the spiraling effect after a while. There's only so many crazy, zany things you can do from stage. There's only so many things that we can do, you know, to, to, you know, to, to be cool or to show you guys a good time or allow you the opportunity to, like, I, I'm going to bring a friend because we don't know what's going to happen next week. You've got to come to our church. These guys may do something really, really stupid again. You've got to see it. You know, after a while, you really do ask, what's the point? What's the purpose, right? Well, in six years, there's been some amazing things that has happened to this church. And we've been very clear about what, what we have wanted to accomplish. But when you really look forward and, and think about the next six, and many of you are really a part of this church. Some of you are guests and visitors, and you're like, I just tweeted this church out is like absolutely crazy, and don't ever come. They're, 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 you know, what, what are we doing? What is the point? Well, when I wrestle with that question, and I'm telling you, when you really talk about what's the point of the church, why, why do we assemble together? Why do we even have church? Why, you know, the, let me just say this, that the church has been debating this question for 2,000 years. And there's still, there's still the conversation of, okay, what, what's the point? You know, why are we doing this? Um, I, I want to just direct this for a moment towards Jesus who was God in a body, and look at him and just ask the question, what, what, was his, what, would, what was his point? Why in the world, um, or what, what really was, was Jesus' obsession? Let me say it like that. What was, what, was, what, was his, what was his real, real, like, something you knew just, I mean, grabbed his heart, and what was he, what was he so obsessed about? Well, you know, again, this thing's been debated for years and years and years, so I'm, I'm about to say a few things that may... May, may, may want to have you, you know, come unglued in your seats a little bit, but just walk with me just for a moment. You know, thinking through what Jesus was really obsessed about and what are we going to do for the next six years, how should we direct our time and our efforts? Jesus was obsessed about a few things, but I think there was something he was really, really obsessed about. One of the things I think that in the church debates this, I think Jesus was obsessed to some degree um, with 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 bringing glory to God, right? Right, I mean, God was God, and, and because he gave us his, Jesus, his son, and, and, and ultimately set up the whole world and created everything, obviously, man, a part of this is bringing God glory, right? But think about this. If it was only about bringing God glory, then Jesus would have stayed in heaven, Right? Because they could have perfectly kept bringing God glory in heaven. I mean, the angels did. One guy got really stupid. He got kicked out, right? You know about that guy? We'll talk about him someday. But I mean, seriously, if it was only about bringing God glory, Jesus would have never came here, all right? That didn't mess you up. Let me tell you another one. All right, so some people think Jesus' obsession was theology, Okay, let me just say, I'm going to give that one to Jesus because he wrote the book, right? He wrote the book, but, and I think, man, we ought to know God's word. In fact, you know, we've, we've been going through a series called All In, and the very first week we said you need to be in this book because it's life-changing, all right? But if Jesus came to the earth only for theology, then he would have set up everything around the idea of this being nothing but the greatest culmination of Christian people 
having the greatest Bible study of all times. Like Beth Moore would have been like really pumped about that. All right? Um, so, but that really wasn't his complete obsession and, and point and purpose. I really believe Jesus' obsession was in a few words he said. He said this. He said, I have come. That's a, that's a wrong verse. I just started quoting the wrong verse. That bad? <laughs> I even practiced this last hour. Jesus said that he came to seek and save that which was lost. He was on, he was on like a seek, not destroy, but a seek and love mission. Like that every person who had not yet been found on planet earth was his mission. That he loved the world so much that he didn't want to just stay in heaven. He didn't love, he loved the world so much that he didn't make this just about the religious people because there, there were many times in the Bible he, he got really downright angry and, and talked strongly to some of the religious people who knew some decent theology, but they were missing some, some main, main major points also. But Jesus came to this earth and for every person who I believe is in this room today, who's across the globe today, if you're a Christian, we've been a recipient of what he came for. He came on a seek and love mission to give and offer mankind hope and forgiveness and salvation in him. He came to seek and save that which was lost. So as a church, the question is, what are we supposed to do for the next six years? Well, we ought to model Jesus. We ought to continue to do what we believe God is leading us to do as a church and open our arms and open our doors and open our hearts for those of us who already know Christ, that we would grow by being a part of the greater mission of what he came for. This church, we did not start this church to open our doors so that we could grab other Christians from other churches and feel good that we have someone sitting in our seats. It's not the point. The point is that we would leverage our gifts, leverage our strengths, and that those of us who are a part of this already, like we're already Christ followers, that we would engage and leverage our stuff, our, even our mess in some cases. God, God wants to use your mess and the story of your junk to help somebody else's forever. Like, like there are many of you here this morning, God wants to use your story because it's the perfect story. And I know it was messy and it was ugly and it hurt and it was painful. But God wants to use it to help somebody else who's in the thick of it, who's asking. And, and they could be coming, they could have come in this morning, maybe you're here. Asking the questions as they come through the door, God, are you, are you really there? And giving God and his church one last chance. And so I don't know how much longer we have. We may have, we may have today. We may have a whole week. Maybe we, have, we may have six more years. We may have another, I don't know, 50. I don't really know. But here's the deal. I believe God has called us to do something extraordinary. Extraordinary. And I don't believe it's any accident that God connects with us. You know, all through the Bible... God was connecting with people. In some cases, like we're going to, I'm going to show you this passage in Matthew in just a minute. In some cases, Matthew, the author of this book, Jesus came by him and just said, hey, follow me. 
that was kind of all, that was all it was for, for that moment. He didn't have a whole lot to ask of Matthew. Just, hey, start following, get near me. That's, that's a real good place for you, Matthew. You could use some being near me. It would help you a whole lot. Some of you guys are like that this morning. The church doesn't want anything from you. We just want you to be near Jesus because we think it's got a lot for you. But for some of us, man, we've been on this journey. And if we're going to change the world, it's going to cost us something. Truthfully, it costs Jesus his life to change the world. Luckily, we don't have to do that. He gave his life for our lives so that we could be on mission and help lead other people to him. I want to show you this passage this morning. It's one of my favorite passages of all times. In fact, I probably preached it like 10 times. And I, I, and I love it because, because what, it, what it challenges me to do, what it challenges us to do. And I think in just, in, in big picture, leading into where I want to go in today's conversation is what we've said in the last three or four weeks. What would it look like in 2015 if you went all in for God. Now, I don't have time to review, but if you were here the last few weeks, we walked through a verse and walked through different aspects of giving your heart, your mind, your strength. We skipped soul. I know some of you guys who are alpha types, you're like, you, you miss soul, so you've got to get to it. I, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to do it today. So you have to, we'll have to work on that one another time. But anyways, can't really backtrack too far. But in thinking through where we went the last three weeks and today, what would it look like for you, for me, if we went seriously in with, with, with God for 2015, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, what would your life look like? What would your marriage look like? What would your kids look like? What would you look like? if you were really near and close to Christ. Because I believe he has a hope and a plan and a wish and a purpose for all of us. So let me read you this story. These, uh, these guys found this unique, uh, found themselves in a unique setting where Jesus showed up and something kind of crazy happened. Let me show you, show you this. Matthew, Matthew 14, verse 22 and through 33 says this, immediately Jesus made the disciples get in the boat. They just finished doing some awesome stuff. He tells his guys to get in the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed this crowd. And after he dismissed this crowd, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from the land. So he had his, his, his posse, his disciples, his followers um, in this boat. Uh, you know, I, I don't know exactly how many were with him. We know there was 12. There could have been 12 in this boat. So it's a decent sized boat potentially. And he had taken time to walk up a mountain, you know, pray. And so the, the, the scriptures say that the boat was out a pretty good way. Some time had elapsed. So you got to imagine they're probably pretty close to maybe center of the lake or a long ways away from land. And all of a sudden it says, as the boat was already a considerable distance from land, all of a sudden 
the waves and the wind and everything begin to like go like storm mode and like things got rough. And I want to just say that it's interesting that the disciples got in the boat in the first place, you know. Um, and I want to say that sometimes when it, when, it, when, it, when it entails following God, there's no guarantee of adversity, right? I mean, you and I, we're going to have problems. Life's going to happen. That's just going to happen. Uh, we know there's, there's awesome benefits of knowing Christ because we have, know there's purpose in it. We know that there's an end. Actually, the beginning, heaven for all of us. But we know that, we, we understand that there, there, there are often times that life has that way of offering its, you know, adversity. So it's a wonder these guys got in the boat. Like, okay, is this, is this going to be a, like a game? It's going to be a trick? You're going to separate from us? What's going to happen here? But these guys, they, they follow Christ's instruction. They get in the boat. I want to say that in that moment that I'm pretty sure Jesus had their full attention, right? These guys are on the lake. Things are getting nasty. They're getting, they're getting scary. All of a sudden, these guys are getting nervous. He has their attention. And I want to say that in this last year of my church, it's been a pretty, pretty crazy year. There's been a lot of transitions around here. There's been, we've, had some, we've had our own, you know, transitional adversities this last year. But I want to say, like those guys in their adversity... God having their attention. God has our attention around here. I mean, we're, we're, our antennas are up. We're in a place like, God, we'll, we'll do anything you want. God, we'll follow you. We'll do whatever, you, whatever it takes, God, we're all in. And I want to say that as, as, as we have, have experienced our growing pains of my church, and, you know, last hour, you saw, I, I preached a little bit too long. I'm ahead of schedule right now. You'll know that's good. We dismissed. You know, it was so crowded in that lobby, I, I was going, oh, no. The parking lot. They're never going to get to their kids. They're going to have kids crying, and, and I'm going to have all the kids volunteers mad at me because I preached too long. And I was, you know, thinking just what a, what a slam packed full service. What it's just crazy. You know, we've had we've had some really crazy growth in our church. We're sort of like a like a second grader. What's a six year old? Second grader? First grader? We're sort of like a first grader, but with facial hair. It's kind of ugly. <laughs> Not you. Just you know, we're like. We're like an overgrown first grader with facial hair. Like there's been so much that's happened here. And I want to just brag that as God has had our attention, and we've, been, we've, just, been, we've just said all along, God, we don't want to mess this up. We have the capacity of messing this up. I mean, I cringe when we do a song like we just did a minute ago, like I hope I have a job afterwards. I hope we don't run off the people we don't want to run off. I hope we reach them. But there are times I'm sitting there and I'm a little bit nervous. Like, we got, it, we got the capacity to do some stupid stuff, right? But I want to just tell you what God has done in this just last year, in 2014. And you guys, you're products of this. In 2014, we've seen 204 people, 204 people bow the knee and say, Jesus, I want you to be the leader and forgiver of my life. And they've moved from darkness to life, meaning there's 204 people that are in our city, maybe you're in our service today, that if Jesus came back, they would be in heaven for all of eternity. That's just crazy awesome. That's just ridiculous. It's really, really incredible. And let me just say this. We've seen 78 people, 78 people take the God plunge. And we don't make that all too easy, do we? 
I mean, that video, inside, outside, kiddie pool, lobby. I mean, come on. I mean, we're a little, uh, you know, crazy on that stuff. But people are, people are going all in. They're saying, hey, because he did that for me, he died. I'm going all in. I'll get wet, whatever it takes. We've seen 477 first-time guests. And when we just say that, that's our, that's our only way to count when we get these cards that you give if you're a first-time guest. It says, I'm a first-time guest. But we have a lot of families around here. So it might be one card with five people on it. What does that say? That says, that says to me that God is doing something in people's lives to where they're saying, hey, man, you got to come with me. God's changing my heart. You've got you to be part of this. You've got you to see that preacher, he Stumbles on his words sometimes, and every now and then they do some weird stuff from stage, but you got to come. God's doing some stuff around here. And I believe, he's, I believe we're at a place that God has our attention. I believe we're at a place where, just like on that water, where Jesus is passing by those guys, they're alert and ready to say, God, I, whatever, whatever it is, I need you. I want to be near you. I want to be all in with what's going on. I don't want to be apart from you. I want to be near you. And I think we're at a stage now as, as a church where we've got, some, we've got some believers. We've seen God move. You've seen God show up. We've got people that we could put on stage week after week that would give a, a, a tithing testimony about how they've trusted God with their resources and how God showed up. We could have people get up on stage and say, hey, we were both divorced. And I was sitting over there and she was sitting over there and we heard a message and Jesus came into my life, and all of a sudden, week after week, we got closer. We started sitting together. God changed us. We got remarried. We got those stories where God has done a real work, not, not folklore, not just good old Southern religion. No, like Jesus, legitimate, the God of the world, doing works in people's lives, changing them forever. That's happening here. And I just want to say, this is the best church I've ever known. I, 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 say, that, I say that because, because I get to be on this journey with you. You make it absolutely awesome. It's fun. It's exciting. And, and, and I just want to say, it is such a privilege to be a part of what God's doing here. And so, a little bit further down in that story, you know, it's, it's the wind's out rain. These guys are trying to figure out what's going on. It says shortly before dawn, like, I mean, like the, the, they've been all night. They're, they're tired. The waves they are trying to keep from capsizing. It says shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. <laughs> That's pretty cool. He's walking. Jesus is walking on the water, right? If I saw that with my own two eyes, I would just you know, I, I'd, I'd cry like a little girl. I'd roll up in fetal position and rock in the boat and just say, I, I want to say hot water burn baby, but no one remembers that anymore. Does anybody remember that, hot water burn baby? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Rain Man movie, come on. Come on, people, get with it. All right? So, so he's walking on the water, and when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. They said, It's a ghost! How would it, what would you think? Something, some, some, some person is coming towards you. They're not floating. They're walking. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out for, what's the word there? Cried out for fear. 
Fear. Anybody in this room been scared before? I mean, really scared. When you're really scared, all of a sudden, everything becomes crystal clear, does it not? (laughs) Everything becomes crystal clear. Who you love, who you don't. (laughs) Who loves you, who you know doesn't. Everything becomes crystal clear. All of a sudden, these guys, they are scared, really scared, like we're going to die tonight. Freaky man walking on the water, raining our eyes all night. It's all, we're, we're about to go down with the ship, and someone's going to be like forcing it to happen. These guys are scared. Things are becoming, although scary, here in a moment becomes crystal clear. Jesus immediately speaks to them and says, take courage, it is I. And they know his voice. He says, take courage, it is I. And Peter, one of the guys in the boat with the other disciples, says, Lord, is it you? Peter replied, and Jesus said, or no, Peter says, tell me to come to the water, come to you on the water. Like, Jesus, is it you? Can I come out and be near you? And Jesus says, come. Jesus says, come. Water's rough. The wind's howling. Fear and uncertainty is swirling. The boat seems like the safest place, right? The boat, obviously, by all normal thinking people, is the safest place. But for Peter in that moment, there was no better place than to be near Jesus. Can I tell you my hope and heart for this church as it is for for the rest of our city? I want us to be near Jesus. That's the bottom line. And when you get to a place in life where, where there is fear and uncertainty, all of a sudden things become clear. All of a sudden you realize there's no better place than being near Jesus, right? We've been there. When everything, you know, hits the fan and you're like, oh my gosh, we go, we cry out to God. But in 2015, I want us to stay in that place. Not in fear, but where Peter got, near God. Because here's the deal. Boat seems like the safest place to be. If you get out, you could sink, right? If you get out of the boat, you could sink. Nobody's walked on water. And this is not really about walking on water. But if you get out of the boat, you could sink. But if you don't get out of the boat, there's 100% certainty you will never walk on water. And here's the point. Peter gets out of the boat. He walks on water, Scripture says. And when he saw the wind, and we do this all the time, we get close to Jesus. Then we kind of take our eyes off and circumstances happen or all of a sudden the fear goes away and all of a sudden, you know, the checking account goes, you know, gets out of the red and gets back in the black and that's a good thing, right? We sometimes drift. Well, Peter gets out of the boat, walks on water, comes towards Jesus. But he, he, he sees the wind 
And all of a sudden, he gets extra, extra afraid again. And beginning to sink, he cries out, Lord, save me. And I love this word, immediately. It was there before. Immediately, Jesus reaches out his hand, catches him. And I, and I think the words that he uses next is not like some scolding or admonishment or just getting on to Peter. But he says, oh, you, little, oh, oh, you of little faith. Because he can't be upset with Peter. He's the guy that got out of the boat. And there's other guys still in the boat. I think he's just trying to help Peter see the, the difference between, you're Peter, I'm Jesus. You can trust me for a whole lot more than like a little cool magic trick of walking on water. This is not about walking on Peter. About, it's not about walking on water, Peter. This is about, it's about being you, you recognizing your greatest need is to be near me. And there's going to be obstacle after obstacle after obstacle that oftentimes will keep you and keep your attention away from me. And Jesus is just saying, listen, oh, you of little faith, don't believe a little bit in me. Believe big in me. Trust me. Take all of 2015 and go all in. Whatever he leads you to do, just do it. Who cares if you jump out there and you start sinking? Is there a better place to be? I mean, seriously. If God leads you to do something and it's scary, there's no better place to be than near him. Who's better off in that moment? Peter or the guys in the boat? Now, I love the rest of this story. But I want, I want you to see something here. As he talks to Peter and says, oh, you of little faith, they get back in the boat. And the wind dies down. Jesus is like, all right, magic tricks over, boys. You like that one? I got more to come, but just, you know, the point, be near me. All of a sudden, the wind dies down. And then it says this, then those who were in the boat, notice this, then those who were still in the boat, says they did what? They worshiped him. They said, truly, you are the son of God. But notice this, it's because of Peter's step of faith that the other guys got to experience God. Because he stepped by faith, they worship God. That's what's been happening around here. All over this church, there, has been, there have been people that have been taking steps of faith, and because they have stepped towards God, other people have noticed, and they've worshiped God because of it. You know why we had 477 people show up last year as guests? Because your steps of faith. Because you're, you're getting to the place where you're believing. You're, you're experiencing God. You're seeing Him work. And God's going, come on, yeah, baby, that's good. Keep on stepping. Keep on approaching. Know that the best place you can be is near me. So I love the fact that Peter models bold, audacious faith, but I love the fact that even those that weren't quite where Peter was, they got to be in a party also. It's kind of like where we're at. Some of you guys, man, you're like, you're like, you've jumped in, you're like scrambling to swim. You're like, oh my God, I'm doing the God thing. Ah, this feels weird. I've never done it before. Ah. Some of you guys are like one foot over going, oh, the water's a little cold. Can I just have a little bit longer? And let me just say, that's, that's okay. It's really okay. We see this modeled by several different people here. Here's what I want you to know. 
all of us, at the pace that you're willing to step forward, God wants to change your life. God wants you to experience him greater this year than last year. That's just, that's just common sense. God wants you to know him better now than, he, than you did yesterday. He would rather you start stepping and start walking and start pursuing because he knows something that we may not fully comprehend even in this conversation here, even in the church as we're talking about this, that the closer we are to him, the better it always is. Hands down, the boat's not the safest place at all. Jesus is always the safest place. It's the best bet. It's always the right bet. You want to go all in? Put all your chips on him. Because ultimately, he proved once and for all that he cares for us. Nobody, nobody has ever gone in further for you than our Savior. Nobody will ever. My husband loves me. (laughs) He does. But he doesn't love you like Jesus. Jesus gave you your husband. The breath that we're breathing at this moment is given to us by God. And if we're breathing, then he's got a plan and purpose for us. I want to just tell you this. Peter's faith called those, caused those other, those other guys to step forward in their faith. They worship because of Peter's faith. I want to share this with you. Because of your faith, Others have worshipped God. Let me just show you some facts. A couple weeks ago, we took a survey. I want to show you how your, your steps of faith have allowed our church to experience growth. Two weeks ago, three weeks ago, we took a survey with the people that were in two services, our adults only. Kids didn't take the survey. And here's what we found out. This is just remarkable, remarkable for a church. 54% of people surveyed in our seats three weeks ago said that they came to my church unchurched, like not church previously. Are you hearing that? That doesn't happen. That's not hardly happening out there today. But here, for whatever reason, because of your faith, people are coming who don't know Christ, searching for hope, and answers in Jesus Christ. And they're finding it here because look at the next one. 45% of people, only adults, not our kids, made Jesus leader and forgiver of their life. That's happening here. Almost 50% of the people in the room three weeks ago had made Christ their Savior. (laughs) I mean, I'm, I'm like, I was floored by these facts. 30% 30% had taken the God plunge. 36% have served somewhere on a ministry team. 48% claim I'm, I give. And 21% in small groups. Here's the deal. Because of your faith, that is what's happening around here. What God did in six years, just imagine if we all went all in what God could do in one day. Two days, six months, next year, this year. 
what would your life look like and what would this city look like if you went all in this year? Let me just tell you something I want to brag about. You know, we're, we're, in, a, we're in a building project. Well, so far it's been a land buying project. We haven't started construction yet. I get asked every week, when are we going to start building? I would love to have a beautiful answer for that. I don't know. I'm waiting for God to help us figure that out. I'll, I'll get back to that in just a second. But let me tell you this. Since we began a year and a half ago, you, my church, have given $360,000 toward our building, building project. That has allowed our church to purchase or begin purchasing and get under contract, and we now own two five-acre parcels. Two five-acre parcels. We are well under our, on our way to our next step, and we need it. Last hour, I told our audience, which, you know, we were slam-packed. There's more than uh, occupancy allows even in this service. But you know, our city says we're only allowed to have 200 people, not just in this room, but in our whole facility, 200. And they say, even if we, even if we went to like nine services, nine services or something crazy and had like, you know, 50 people in each, it wouldn't matter because this occupancy code is coded for 200. That's it. doesn't matter if we spread them out. I don't understand that. So don't tell the fire marshal. <laughs> don't tell them. They've, they've, they've got their antennas up. They've been out here before. They've seen the cars. They, they, under the radar, they know we're over code. They're, they're, they're giving us some grace, but, but they're also like, hey, you, you got you to get out. You got to get out. But here's the deal. If we went all in, if, if we went all in, we could start construction this year. We could. We could. We, could. we, we need to see Jesus show up. We'd see some mir- we need to see some miracles happen, but we could start construction this year, this year. But let me just say this. I believe with all my heart, we're just at the cusp of what we're going to see my church do in the next few years. We're just in the beginning. We're just in the beginning. So here's, let me get back to this question. Why did Jesus pass these guys by? Was it really for the cool trick of walking on water? Was it a race across the lake. You guys go ahead and I'm going to start jogging on the water and we'll see who wins. No. Mark 6 records the same account just in a different book. And it says this, that he saw that Jesus, he saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and waves. And about 3 o'clock in the morning, we get a little more detail here. About 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. And notice the rest of this. He intended to go past them. Do you think it's any accident that you're here? (laughs) I kind of threw away accidents a few years ago. The idea of like, my life's completely out of control. God's out of control. No, no, no. You're here. And if God's stirring your heart, it's because he's doing that. the, The reason you're taking steps is because God's wanting you to take steps. I believe the reason God has us here is for us to advance what he's doing. I really believe with all my heart, God wants to prick our hearts. He wants to grow us. He wants us to get us in close contact with him. 
And as we grow, as we understand, we can put our complete faith and trust in him. When that happens, we'll go all in and we will seriously change the world. I believe that's what God wants to do. On our very first Sunday, you guys realize, on our very first Sunday, we had, I think it was a 10 or 10.30 a.m. service. It was 30 degrees, just like it was this morning, bright and early. We were in a tent, and our very first Sunday, we had almost 100 people bow the knee and make Jesus the leader and forgiver of their life on our first Sunday. God is not through with this church. He has only just begun. I want you to do something. In the seat backs in front of you, there is a white card. Would everyone grab a white card? If you're a guest, if you've been here forever, if you're holding three babies, put one in each of their hands. That's a joke. It's a 2015 challenge card. And if you've been tracking with us for the last few weeks, you've been listening to the challenge where we've used this verse, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. I want to challenge you individually and as a church and ask you the question again, what would it be like if you went all in for God in 2015? Here's the ways that I think you would grow if you went all in. I think you would grow by trusting God with all your heart. That's in the arena as we explained three weeks ago. Trusting God with your stuff. God wants you to trust him with your stuff. He just does. He doesn't need your money. He owns the whole world. He could woo and move and do whatever he wants to do. God's going to get the job done. However, God wants your heart. And he knows the only way to it is through your stuff, through your money. I'm challenging every person in this church. If you're on the cusp of trusting God, take a big, huge leap in the water and say, God, I'm going to start trusting you. Take our 90-day challenge. Or, or put your big boy pants on, buckle up, chin straps, and go hardcore all in and just say, God, I'm going to attempt to trust you this year with my giving. And I'm going to attempt to tithe 10%. What? I double dog dare you. I triple dog dare you. Yes, your pastor just said that. To attempt to trust God and outgive God. Scripture says, test me and see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and prove to you that I'm God. How many of you guys saw the Skittle demonstration two weeks ago? We, had, we still have Skittles around here, okay? Um, they're all over the place. All right. Give it a try. Go all in with your heart in 2015. How about reading your Bible? Going all in with reading God's Word this year. I think we can make that real easy for you. On your phone, download the Bible app. Do you know that I just got a, an email this morning from the Bible app, folks? That one million people last month did a devotional, did a 30-day devotional. One million people. Hey, this is working. You want to get close to God? Put it on your phone. <laughs> it's always near your ear. Pretty soon it'll be in your heart. Hey, commit. God, I'm going to read my Bible this year. Go for it. How about this? Commit to connecting. You can't grow alone. 
You need other people in your life. I need other people in my life. I got I to have people that encourage me. Sometimes I want to quit. Sometimes I want to throw in the towel. Sometimes I'm just too weak in these. I need, I need friends. I need encouragers. I need co-partners. Like, hey, dude, I'm the same road. I'm on the same road as you. I want to encourage you. When you leave today, find a small group. Find a small group and get connected to some people that might be like you, near you, in your sphere of connectivity and life experiences, babies, not babies, old, young, whatever. Get connected somewhere and start getting in a relationship with people who are also trying to figure this God thing out and grow. Just go for it. Serve somewhere. Think about this for just a moment. And we're almost done. Somebody held the door for you. We could use some more awesome door holders around here. I'm telling you, door holding is like one of the greatest things you could ever do in your lifetime, holding the door. Because there was a time, there are people like you that are coming through these doors saying, God, I'm giving you and your church one last chance. And when there's a person there, and they're smiling, and they're opening the door, and they're saying, welcome, right? Little small things, they add up. And they say, you know what? Maybe I don't believe all that, but that person does. And because of that, I'll come back. That's all we want. We just want people to come back one more time. Just try it one more time. Eventually, we believe you'll drink the Kool-Aid too. And you will have your heart and life changed by Christ. Serve somewhere. I'll do it. I'm going I'm to give it a shot this year. And lastly, jump on, jump on board and invite somebody. Add to the 477. Let's go. Let's get... Let's get 2,000 new visitors this next year to our church. Why? Because it's making a difference. Because lives are being changed. And you know what? We make it easy for you. We make it easy. You just got to say, hey, if you'll just show up next week, they're going to do something stupid, okay? You got to see it. Let me just say this. You know our church, if you've been here for any length of time, we've done a lot of series for men, right? A lot of guy stuff. In fact, I mean, realistically, this church is led by meatheads. Really are. A bunch of meatheads lead this church. We do all kind of series called like Superman and, you know, we've had a series called like Armor All, like putting the armor on. It's all like way too much testosterone. So next week, for the first time ever in our six-year history, we're doing a series for the ladies. What? Come on. Come on. Y'all falling asleep on me out there. Ladies, this series is going to rock the house. It's called Brave. Was that already up there the whole time behind me? Man, I have no hope for getting a punchline in around here. It begins next week. You do not want to miss this. Ladies, do not miss this. And men, if you miss this, you are stupid. You are like ignoramuses if you miss this and your woman shows up and you don't, don't do that to her. That's a bad move, okay? I've been married 21 years. You come, and I promise you guys, there'll be something in it for you. I promise you. So here's the deal. I know everybody grab your car real quick. Everybody, even if you're guests, even your three babies, everybody hold them up in the sky real high. Real high. Everybody get a card. Look around at the white cards. Oh, yeah, now you got to hold one up. Because Oh, I didn't have one. Look around. Look at around at the white cards. Just look around. Everybody's holding the white card up. 
this is what it looks like in a room to hold a white card up. (laughs) But this is what it would look like if we took and said, God, I'm committing to follow you. We'd We'd see things like people walking on water in their faith. We'd see lives being changed if, if you and I would trust God further by faith. I am challenging every person in this room to take the 2015 challenge. Some of you, you're like Peter. You're just, I'm going to go all in. I'm going to go all in, God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I'm going to go for it. Bam, bam, I'm going to check them all. And I'm going to do it. I'm not going to check. I'm going to do it. Some of you are going to throw one leg over the boat, and you're gonna, I'm going to put my feet in the water. I'm going to do a 90-day giving challenge. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get in a small group, and I'm going to try it out for a little while. But let me just tell you this. Wherever you're at, wherever you're at, the greatest place you can be is closer than you are right now to Jesus. And our heart is that we would take a group of people, hopefully all of us, and take one step closer to trusting in the God who gave his life for ours. Let's pray. God, as we, um, we celebrate you and what you've done in six years, God, we, we want to just say, God, apart from you, we can do nothing. But God, through you, Scripture says, I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength. Lord, we want to just say that we are so blessed and so grateful for all that you've done. But God, we want to see and be a part of more. Because God, you're a massive God. And we want you to know we're following and trusting by faith, God. So we're going to take steps. We're going to take take big steps. We're going to go in some deep water here, God. There are many people here this morning, just like last hour, that are, that are taking some big, audacious steps of faith. And God, that I, I, I'm, I'm asking God that this wouldn't be on me. God, this would be on you. It's your word where you said, test me. God, it's your word where you say, I've come to give people life in it to be full. God, that's on you. God, we place our faith not in the people of a church, but in you. You are a God who gives life, provides salvation and hope. God, I pray that you would prove yourself over and over and over and over and over and over again this year in the lives of every person that's sitting here today. And God, I beg of you that because of our faith, other people in this city would come to worship you, the true living God. Jesus' name we pray. Amen.